This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Shane Plummer. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Jesse Taff with Waypoint Real Estate Group, Bryce Gonser at Fulcrum Home Loans, and Dustin Portella of Treasure Valley Dermatology for supporting local dialogue. With summer drawn to a close, I wanted to get my garden coach, Katie Batazzo with Front Yard Fresh, back to talk through my first foray into gardening. My garden was a huge success this summer. I was giving away produce left and right and flooding the market with homemade pickles. I can't believe how many people were tracking my adventure and how many conversations I've had about it. I swear all my friends must think I've become an old man with how much I talk about it. I'm not at all ashamed to flex that Katie wept just a little and said I was her favorite protege and made her most proud of all her clients for showing so much dedication and having so much well-earned success my first year in the grow biz. No cap. Katie's guidance and encouragement were crucial to everything I harvested. With more success than I knew what to do with, I felt it was fitting to invite her back to my garden and record the episode surrounded by my jungle of herbs, flowers, and late summer vegetables. We discuss my primary takeaways about home gardening in general, talk about what I'll do differently next year, and what I should be doing going into fall, including planting garlic and tulips. We also talk about the importance of planting the right flowers to attract bees and other pollinators. If you've been dabbling in doing your own planting, you'll find this conversation helpful. You can harvest your own garden knowledge by following Katie on the gram at Front Yard Fresh. Katie with Front Yard Fresh, we're podcasting live from my garden this time. I my love it. My full bloom garden. It's so beautiful just sitting here, seeing it completely filled in from the last time I was here in the fall. I get more comments from people when Natalie posts about my garden. They love it. People at my work see it, and they think, oh, your garden's awesome. I brought in pickles several times and pesto. They, this, my garden's become kind of local famous Shane, in my Instagram area. It's beautiful, and it, to think that this is your first year, imagine what you've learned along mm. the way and what you have created in just one year. So I wanted to talk about some lessons learned. We're, we're ending summer. We're getting ready to go into fall. And I know that other people that are starting gardens, they're going to want to know, what do you do during the transition? And then I just kind of wanted to talk about some of the things that I learned along the way. Um, and then maybe at the end, we can talk about pollinators. Don't let me forget to talk about pollinators. Okay. All right. Some lessons that I learned. Man, it's important to have water and to have like a, a reliable irrigation system. I've kind of struggled with mine a little bit. And right away in early summer and especially through the heat of it i saw how much the plants really reacted to not getting adequate water absolutely water is one of the most crucial aspects of gardening especially in boise in the treasure valley um, consistent watering is the most important thing to keep plants from being stressed in our summer heat yeah um i've got these i've got this pergola and i ran irrigation to it and I struggled with it so much, but I've got these hanging baskets mm. and they were doing great until it didn't work. And I was hand watering twice a day. 
sometimes three times a day when I could get my kids enlisted uh, to help with it. But man, to hand water is ridiculous amount of work. Yeah. And when I work with clients, one of the biggest things I recommend is having a consistent automated watering system so that you are left to supplement on those really hot days if necessary, but otherwise you can count on something to consistently water. And it's really hard in Boise um, to have hanging baskets at times during the summer because there's so little surface area in those pots. They dry out so fast that all of us are in the same boat. We have to water multiple times a day to keep those plants from being stressed. So I feel you. Uh, Just the amount of work made me think if I were to rewind and do it again, I would, uh, I'd spend every penny on irrigation that I did and probably more mm-hmm. to make it easy. Like having it on a zone that you can control the time and all that business was just, uh, it's money well spent. I thought 100%. If there's any money I have a client spend, you know, top dollar or, you know, to, to get a system that's efficient and consistent, it's, it's watering. Yeah. Um, I put in a couple of these arbors, these arches, across a couple of my um, uh, uh, adjacent beds. And I was telling you that in the beginning of the summer, it was probably until the end of June, I didn't think that they were going to grow up because I had pole beans on one, then I had tomatoes on the other three sides. And I just thought, they're never going to make it all the way over to the top. Like, that'd be amazing if it did, but it's never going to fill out. It didn't pop until the end of July and that's when it really went crazy. My tomatoes went crazy. Uh, these beans, you're looking at them. I've got more beans than I know what to what to do with. But they're beautiful arches now. Isn't it amazing? And it does feel like it takes so long for it to get to that point. But it's almost like this explosion occurs about that midsummer, almost to the end, where you just get this beautiful effect and all the harvest comes on at once. August is one of those months where you're just overwhelmed by the bounty. And we came out here one time, and we hadn't been out here for a couple of days. Maybe we had gone somewhere, but it was it felt like it was overnight, and all of a sudden, all my pollinators popped. My zinnias that had been struggling so much, they were... Uh, they came back with a vengeance and then my nasturtium you see it it's spilling spilling out of these corners and choking stuff out like (laughs) they just got so big and it's awesome yeah they're they're a beautiful addition these flowers zinnias and nasturtium nasturtium can struggle in that summer heat but once that heat edge lifts and and comes down the nasturtium just looks absolutely gorgeous again i'm looking at it's gorgeous one thing that i struggled with that i mm, Still don't have the knack for, but I'm giving myself some grace. Cause yeah, it's one year. The, the, <laughs> the first year is um is the phasing, like the phase planting. Um, when I pulled up my lettuce from spring, you encouraged me to plant like uh, uh, beans, like, like bush beans. Mm-hmm. And the bush beans didn't take, mm-hmm. but then other stuff did take, and I planted more carrots. But it just, but then by that point, there were some adjacent plants like my parsley, my herbs, the nasturtium, it got so big that maybe this is just a space constraint that I'm dealing with the, with these narrow beds, but they started choking things out. Mm-hmm. I struggled to like plant in succession. Yep. And to be fair to you, as a gardener of 20 years, I did not really start to hone my succession skills until the last five. Mm. So it's a, it is a, it's a growing skill that you actually have to also look at your particular piece of property and land 
and play with it and really see what does well, what doesn't do well in certain spaces. And also the big thing is prioritize. You're gonna have to make some space. So some things you're gonna wanna pull earlier than you might want to uh, or be comfortable with just to make space for something you really want to grow um, towards the end of the summer and the fall. What are some of those examples of things that people might wait till the end of the summer or, or fall to plant? To plant. Okay, so in August, for instance, I know that I pulled, you know, old vines of sweet peas, um, some large parsleys that I was done using parsley, even though it was still useful, but I created space to put in my snap peas in August so that it had room and space and some sunlight to, to grow um, in August. But that meant oh. I had to pull some things to make that sunlight and that area be available. I'm thinking about that because my sugar snap peas, I, we planted those right out of the the, right. the gate in, um, I think the April was our first planting, mm -hmm. and they really struggled to take off. Now, they went through the end of June, maybe even until the beginning of July that I was getting uh, um, peas off it, but I hadn't thought about planting them later. Yeah. That's a good idea. You can plant them uh, towards the end of July or right at the beginning of August, and so right now I'm actually starting to get peas because they've had 30 or 40 days. Now, you have to prioritize the varieties for fall because it's a little shorter of a season. So you want to get varieties that mature a little bit quicker. So I do want to talk about what to start planting in the fall, but I did want to kind of talk a little bit about um, tomatoes. Tomatoes had me worried for a long time. And then it's just been this past month that they've gone, I've gotten so many. And my mm -hmm. favorites have been the sun gold cherry tomatoes. They're like grapes. They're so sweet. It's like, it's an absolute favorite. It's a must have in every garden that I plan. Mm -hmm. Sun golds are just, they deliver. They're consistently sweet. Yeah, you can't go wrong with them. Yeah. I benefited. I had to do a lot of uh, study on pruning, mm -hmm. on how to prune certain things, how to prune my herbs, how to prune uh, my basil, um, the tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Tomatoes, as you can see, got out of hand. Like they just got ahead of me. And eventually I just stopped trying and it's it it's a bushy mess but it's a beautiful mess but um it's beautiful but i can uh, and then on one sun gold tomato i accidentally topped it and i didn't know what i was doing or what had happened until i looked it up and i thought i think i just snipped this guy's <laughs> growing head off right and um so topping tomatoes early in a season will affect their um, pro their production dramatically because that's where the tomatoes are producing at the top of the plant. Now, right now, you can actually top your tomatoes right now this week because what you're doing is you're um, directing the plant's energy into ripening the rest of the fruit that you see that's green versus allowing the plant to keep developing flowers and more green fruit that may not mature for the end of the season. Um, that's good to know because I've got a ton of tomatoes that have been sitting green for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, I, logically that makes sense that I need to do more pruning to divert that energy towards the fruit. Um, tell me a little bit about tomatoes if you know. Like, look at mine. I have never pruned much on the bottom. I right. did the initial pruning, but I see videos sometimes of people pruning all the way up, mm -hmm. like... Um, the leaves, the uh, sun collecting leaves. Yep. What's the general rule of thumb for how much can you clip off moving up? I like to tell the home gardener to um, never prune more than a third of the plant at a time. You can do a pruning technique where you do one liter, 
but it's very intensive. You have to continually prune. Um, you have to know which part of the plant is producing fruit versus the green leaves. Um, and so what I like to tell um, home gardeners, especially as they're continuing to learn their pruning, because it's it's definitely a place where we're all learning constantly, mm -hmm. is to prune, never prune more than one third of the plant at the same time. So you'll have more of those green leaves on your plant, but you won't over prune to the point where you'll lose fruit because of it. Okay. It's possible to prune one, and you can do that on um, an arch, particularly like yours, um, but a lot of times people will over prune, and that can stress the plant to the point where they won't produce very much fruit. Okay. Um, what are the other winners? Almost everything has done really well back here. My All my herbs are shrubs. They're so big. Um, my pollinators have gotten really big. That's great. My kale is still going strong, um, struggling with some aphids. But mm -hmm. besides that, it's really... Uh, working hard. Looks like a tropical plant now. <laughs> it looks like amazing. Like a palm tree. Yes, I love, you have pruned that well and kept that plant clean and you've probably pruned it well enough to keep the stress of the aphids from getting to the plant. So yeah. nice work. Um, what's coming up for the fall? So at the time of recording, we're in, oh man, we're halfway through September yeah. now. Um, have I missed a window to start planting some things? So typically for fall planting in August um, or late August, you want to start looking for the bigger transplants such as Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, um, kale. Those are things that you want to get in the ground a little bit earlier in the season in order to give it enough time to mature before our days start to shorten mm -hmm. substantially. But... Still, there's plenty of time to plant things like bok choy, Swiss chard, spinach, carrots, beets. So I can go back to my lettuces now that it's starting and to lettuces. cool down. lettuces. Yes, thanks for okay. reminding me. Absolutely. Get some lettuce seeded, or you can actually transplant lettuce right now. It's getting cool enough that you can go get lettuce transplants from all the nurseries. They're all available, and that will get them established growing before we get a first frost. Okay. Um... Please tell me I haven't missed the window for garlic. What are we doing about oh, garlic? Oh, no. You're in, you're, you're in luck because right now all the nurseries have garlic bulbs for seed. They're, they're particular seed garlic that you buy. Uh, North End Organic, Edwards, all these places have them right now. But they are going fast, so you want to get on a variety that you like. i got to move. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and go get them now. Um, you can start planting garlic in October. So you'll want to pick a space or a box, depending on how much garlic you want, that you're going to clear. And you're going to add some fertilizers, like some, um, I like azomite and some compost. Mm -hmm. And you're going to plant those bulbs in October. And okay. they'll be ready by next July. It takes a long time. So whatever, wherever you plant your garlic, it's taking up real estate for the Ex beginning of the summer. Exactly. You want to make sure you remember... <laughs> where you plant it and plan for that space to be taken and uh, maybe plan for the after the garlic for some shorter season crops to go in afterward. All right. Um, any other advice as we move into fall for home gardeners? Yeah, so you're going to start to see your garden wind down. Um, you're going to start to see things dying off, and that's okay. You're going to start the process of putting your beds to bed for the winter. And that might mean, you know, um, 
clipping the the base of each plant so that you can leave the roots in the box so that that gives microbes something to feed on over the winter. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to clear your beds by clipping those plants all the way down to the soil level. You can pull some that are extensive or that might seem to be in the way of garlic, for instance. If you're going to plant something in the fall, you'll want to pull the roots so that you have some um, soil that's loose to work with. But you're saying, generally speaking, you don't pull the roots up. You snip it at the at the soil level and you leave it in there over the winter. Yeah, a lot of people have gotten into the habit of pulling your whole plant that's done for the season out of the soil and then placing straw, compost, leaves on top and putting it to bed, which is great. Even better is to leave those roots in your soil. And what happens is the microbes have a food source throughout the winter to continually uh, feed your whole soil microbiome and ecosystem. So, so should we be putting compost on top of that then? Or does it need compost if you leave all these roots? It's both. You can. It's, it's going to help. Organic matter is going to help um, not only uh, add more to your soil through the winter, but also protect the top layer um, and add more microbes and organic material to, for the microbes to feed. So I would add a layer of compost on top of those roots as well. Okay. okay. My favorites to add also, um, just to keep soil erosion low and to add more organic material, are leaves from your own yard that you um, plan to put in a bag and have the land uh, have it hauled off to the landfill why not just add a nice thick layer of those leaves as long as you're not a big sprayer or have pesticides on your trees it's a great organic material to add on top of your beds at the end of the season you have to pull it out in the spring scrape it all off and whatever's well, not decomposed and yes the nice thing too though is you can actually grind them up too and mix them into the soil because the leaves actually break down better than straw over the winter Oh. Um, so you can actually, you may have to take some off, especially if you're adding seeds, but some you can just um, kind of mix into your soil because they break down enough that it mixes better into the soil um, over time. It can only take, <clears throat> it takes less time for it to break down and be more bioavailable. Okay. Um, a couple of closing thoughts. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until probably the beginning of July. No, it was probably towards the end of July before I started seeing bees. Yeah. Like, uh, I thought that I was going to see them right away with so many early blooms, and I didn't. I saw a ton of flies, several wasps, a lot of these small, small bees, uh, which was awesome, but no, like, traditional, I'm not a bee, an AP, what's the term for, like, a bee scientist, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not that scientist. Yes. But... <laughs> I didn't see any traditional beads, but when they finally started coming, it was awesome. Um, what advice do you give people? What do people need to be planning next year to help with bees and pollinators? Because every place that I hear, like we're struggling with bees. Right. We're struggling to maintain habitat for them or whatever, but what would you suggest to the home gardener? Right, and you may have seen less bees this year. Um, apparently in the Treasure Valley, I did hear of a lot of hives being lost because of the cold weather. So our honeybee population um, kind of faltered this year with that cold weather. And so we had a later year where we saw those honeybees. Um, <clears throat> you can plant a lot of amazing things that bring in not just honeybees, but really it's the native bees that we're really concerned about. 
Honeybees are actually doing quite well as far as pollinators. It's our native bee populations and our bumblebees that are really struggling. I, I was out at a winery recently and, um, oh, Bittner. Mm-hmm. Bittner Winery, they are bee friendly. Awesome. Um, they have some kind of like a certification for how um, conscientious they are. Uh, Mr. Bittner, I think that his name was Ron, Ron Bittner. Um, he's that bee scientist guy. He's traveled all over the world teaching people about bees. Uh, when we were there, he, uh, I might have him on the podcast at some point. Awesome. He said um, that a lot of these native bee species, they burrow in the ground right. like their hives are in the ground and so mm-hmm. with agriculture and then also with subdevelopment it's churning up a lot of these native beehives exactly i didn't know that and that's why you'll see a lot of landscape professionals telling you to stop cleaning up your property don't clean up your property like we traditionally see um in the fall you actually leave a lot of your soil and your plants alone because a lot of these bees nest and overwinter on your property. And when you clean up all that dead material mm-hmm. and you, um, you, know, you mess in your soil, you're destroying these native bees that are going to overwinter on your property. Wow. <clears throat> so a lot of these traditional ways of, of cleanup that we talk about can actually be really detrimental to our native species. Um, are there specific pollinators that you would recommend that people plant in the spring? I, I love, uh, zinnias are one of the easiest and most loveliest flowers that actually bring in all kinds of pollinators. I'm looking at like a hundred zinnias back here and they have been wonderful. They, they're wonderful. Um, zinnias are amazing. Um, the Mexican sunflower, also called tithonia, is a, an amazing um, pollinator attractor as well as sunflowers. Sunflowers are huge attractors for all kinds of pollinators and birds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lovely flower. It's one of my favorites. It's called Bee Friend, and it's Phacelia. It's a beautiful purple flower um, that I plant every spring that helps attract pollinators a little bit earlier in the season, bumblebees especially, um, into your garden. And it's a beautiful blue-purple flower, mm. which bees are naturally attracted to as well. That's what Mr. Bittner told us. Yeah. Blue is good. So lavender is always a beautiful one to add. Phacelia, um, your sage, so your classic sage that you like to, mm-hmm. to eat. That flower is also a great attractor. Um, but, it, you know, if you want to be really simple, zinnias are also amazing things just to add into any bed. Awesome. Man, thank you so much. This has been an amazing friendship and partnership over the spring and and summer. I'm so glad that you've helped me. Um, We were just talking as we were walking around that to see what my, this little section of useless side yard was. Amazing. uh, This time last year to what it is now. This is, this is our favorite spot in the house. We've been out here more this summer than we have been inside. And Shane, I got to say the same thing. It's, you know, I just could not imagine this turning out as beautiful as it did. Even though I designed it and imagined it, I'm like, ah, you know, just to actually be in this space and to see it so beautiful is just a uh, joy. You you worked up the rendering, right? The 3D rendering, which I thought, number one, that's dope. That's awesome. <laughs> that is techie for a gardener to work me up a rendering. That's pretty great. And But just to see what it looked like with like the placeholder little uh, uh, digital representations, I thought, 
I'd be lucky if they got that full. Man, this is like three times fuller than any of that stuff. It it's been totally fantastic. Is. It's amazing. And yeah. I, I, you have impressed me beyond measure in terms of how much you took on and learned. And I, I just can't wait to see this space evolve. There's yeah. only more to come. Super excited. Uh, Katie, thank you so much. Good thank luck going you. into fall and winter, and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time.